This is the OTP presented by Farm Bureau Health Plans. Get the home field advantage with health care coverage from Farm Bureau Health Plans. They've been protecting Tennesseans since 1947. I guess we call this the back home again edition. Amy That's Wells. Uh, thank you. Amy Wells and me, Mike Keith, glad to be back in Nashville, back at St. Thomas Sports Park. Back together again after being apart last week. I certainly enjoyed your OTP from Las Vegas in the Pro Bowl. That was fun. I was afraid you were going to say enjoyed my week away. <laughs> Made me nervous. Why, now, why would I say something like that? <laughs> I don't know, but you said it so matter of fact. That it made me laugh. <laughs> that would have been an ugly thing to say, though. I know, but it was what I was expecting nonetheless. <laughs> Wow. I know. Because I, I did. You didn't, come out swinging. I You're know. very defensive. No, and that was a very nice thing for you to say. We had a, I mean, we had a blast out there. It was great to be there with Jim Wyatt. I know you were working really hard down in Mobile, Alabama. You were there for a full week. Full week. That's, uh, is that a record? Is that the longest you've spent down there? It is. Whole week? The first time I've ever seen the game. You know, very few people with the teams actually stay for the game. Right. Most people head out after Thursday because that's the final practice. Friday is sort of a – I don't know what you'd call it in terms of what they do, but the teams are done Thursday night with the interviews. They had interviews, I want to say it was Monday night and then Thursday night. And then they had interviews in the mornings. So – Teams will have interviewed those players, a lot of those older players, extensively before they ever get to the combine. The practices are Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday. Mm -hmm. And obviously, everybody and their brother is at the practices. The practices are available on tape, so some people watch them after the fact, or some people might leave a little bit early on Thursday. It's a little harder to get out of Mobile because it's obviously not a big airport, some people drive to New Orleans. Some people drive to Pensacola. You know, that is that is certainly done. But for the most part, it's about Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday. And for us, the opportunity came to do some extra because I got the opportunity to do the game for SiriusXM NFL Radio. And in doing so, I hoped I wouldn't be there. I hoped I would be at the Super Bowl, to be honest. But I said, okay, we'll, we'll take that opportunity because – it gave me more access to people than I've ever had before, which helps me more for this, for this process. I'm, I'm way ahead of going to the Combine because the Senior Bowl was really my whole life last week. Right. I mean, it's like, you know, 12 to 14 hours a day. And I'm very thankful for that now because there are a bunch of guys that are going to come out of that Senior Bowl and John has always liked senior bowl players. John Robinson, the general manager, he he likes to watch those guys play football because that's the difference in, in that and the underclassmen who don't have an all-star game opportunity like that. Right. It's a chance to see them on the field doing football things right. as opposed to seeing them in a very controlled workout environment that the combine is. Guys make more money at the senior bowl than they do at the combine. On average. Now, if you go to the combine and run 4-2, yeah, that changes everything to a to a massive degree, no doubt about it. But 
there are more guys who make more money at the Senior Bowl who go from a day three pick to a day two pick, from a day two pick to a day one pick. That happens more often. Or even going from a seventh-round pick to a fifth-round pick, you you make a considerable amount of money with that kind of jump. And, you know, we saw that with several guys last week. The focus was obviously going to be the quarterbacks. Right. Because that's always the focus. People love quarterbacks, man. The quarterbacks are always the most interesting stars of anything. And six of the top seven rated quarterbacks were in Mobile. Matt Corral from Ole Miss was the only one who wasn't. And so you got a chance to see kind of where everybody is and what they're all about. And a guy like Kenny Pickett, I think Kenny Pickett is who we thought he was. Yeah. I don't think he's necessarily any better than we thought he was. He's certainly not any worse than we thought he was. He just looks like a really good quarterback. Oh, what a time. I mean, years ago, not that many years ago even, but years ago, you wouldn't see all of the quarterbacks there. You didn't Mm -hmm. see top guys at the Senior Bowl. You saw a lot of mid-range guys Mm -hmm. who came out and played, but now, I mean, you get the who's who at the Senior Bowl. I think Jim Nagy's done a good job with that. And he said to us last week when we talked with him, he said, we have tried to make it more like an NFL scouted event. There aren't as many guys there just because they're big names who are not going to be pro players. You know, there's some college players, and you have them on the team you follow, and I have them on the team I follow, and everybody does. And you say, man, I love old so-and-so, and and he ain't going to play a day in the NFL. (laughs) He's a a really good college player. There's nothing wrong with that. It doesn't make him a bad person. But, you know, there were always – it felt like a bunch of Alabama and Auburn guys who weren't going to play, you know, in the NFL. But they were there to sell tickets and sign autographs. And it's very much – I mean, everybody's there on merit now, like Valus Jones. Valus Jones from Tennessee, who's from the Mobile area. I mean, if you'd ask anybody in early October, is Valus Jones a pro prospect? They'd have said, absolutely not. And then Josh Heupel moved him to the slot and made him the punt returner, and he exploded. And I mean, somebody's drafting Valus Jones. And so he's not there because he's from Mobile. He's there because he's being drafted, and he had a really nice week. Was there a position group that stood out to you, potentially? The defensive line was fantastic. During the course of the week, the tight ends, that was an area of focus for me because it it feels like the Titans are in the tight end market. Yeah. You know, if you say that right now as we record this during the first full week in February, you're saying to yourself, the Titans' biggest need is tight end. Now, we we haven't got the free agency yet. Right. I mean, they may sign three tight ends. They may re-sign two guys. It may not be a factor come April 28th, 29th, and 30th when the draft happens. But for right now, you're saying, yeah, it's probably a, a safe bet. <laughs> a position of need. Offensive line, mm-hmm. because the Titans are older there. And so you're, you're starting to look ahead to that to see how it's all going to factor out. I saw a, a mock draft just before I came in here. Lance Zerline put out a mock draft. And he had the Titans taking Boston College offensive lineman Zion Johnson at number 26. I think it's probably going to be a pretty popular pick in the early mocks because you're going to be able to get great value in an offensive lineman. I mean, Zion Johnson might be a top 10, top 15 player, but a center guard isn't generally going to go that highly. 
So, I mean, Zion Johnson, one of the most impressive players I have ever interviewed pre-draft anywhere, and then can also play. Wow. You know, we have those guys we like to interview, and then it's like, yeah, but he's really not that good. But we really like him, so we, you know. Sounds like me all the time. (laughs) Well, I mean, Kevin Byard is a great example of this. Here's a guy we interviewed and really liked, and then it turned out he could really play. Right. So we were Kevin Byard fans personally, but turns out he was really good. Zion Johnson is the same way. That's awesome. And, of course, then one of the interesting guys that I had a chance to interview was Sam Howell, the quarterback from North Carolina. And he's an intriguing player because he's not a big quarterback, but he's incredibly athletic. You know, he is third all-time in the ACC in passing yards and total yards, and he's the only guy on the list who only played three years. Really? Well, and he, he threw the heck out of it for two years. Then he lost his top two running backs, lost his top two wide receivers, and last year rushed for over 800 yards. I don't think I realized that. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> crazy. And along those same lines, I had a chance to to visit with him, and we want to share that with you now. Here's my talk with former North Carolina quarterback Sam Howell from Mobile and the Senior. North Carolina quarterback Sam Howell, do you think you shocked people with your running in 2021, even though in high school at Sun Valley – you ran for over 3,600 yards and 60 touchdowns. Yeah, I mean, I think I, I really shocked a lot of people. I honestly didn't know I could run the ball at that level, but it, it was a lot of fun. I had a lot of fun doing it. I don't think anyone thought I, I could have ran the ball that successfully in college, so it was a lot of fun. But it's got to help you moving to the next level that you've shown that skill because mobility as far as quarterbacks in the NFL is – almost a necessity today, isn't it? Yeah, it is. You know, obviously a lot of quarterbacks in the NFL have that mobility. Even if it's not much, it's, it's just enough. My mobility is a weapon. I think people saw that on film this year, so I'm just glad I had the opportunity to show that. You have a lot of weapons, man. You can sling it short, long, everything in between. Have you always been a quarterback? Has it been from the start of your football career? It has. Ever since first grade when I played flag football, I was playing quarterback. Why do you love the position so much? Yeah, I mean, I just love playing quarterback. I just love, you know, I think leadership is something that, that that's really important to me and just being in that leadership role and kind of getting everybody on the same page is stuff that I really enjoy. I love the preparation aspect. Uh, you got to prepare so much to, to have success at this level. So it's fun to go through the week and, and spend a lot of time preparing for a game and seeing how it can benefit you on Saturday. So and there's, I could talk, I could answer that question all day long, but it, it's, it's, it's just a blessing to be able to play quarterback. You have a lot of skills at the position, but one of the things I've, I've seen you take shots, have bad moments. You rarely change expressions. Nothing really – even in good moments, you don't change expressions that much. Where does that even keel in Sam Howell come from? Yeah, I mean, that's just kind of how, how I was raised. You know, I was always taught to never get too high, never get too low. You know, no matter how good something's going in your life, whether it's football-related or not, it can always be taken away from you. For me, it's always, you know, focus on the next play. It's not about what happened the previous play. You can't control what happened, whether it was good or bad. You, know, you just got to focus on the next play and get your mind ready for that next play. So that's kind of – the mentality I play by and the mentality I live by as well. I mean, I just try to let that mentality rub off on my teammates. Wherever you go, in short order, you're going to end up being the face of the franchise. How much did coming in and doing that for Coach Brown at Carolina help to prepare you for that in the NFL? Yeah, I mean, I think it definitely helped. That's a good point that you make. You know, I went into 
I went to a program that was struggling at the time, kind of went there with Coach Brown, and we kind of turned the thing around. Had a lot of help doing it. So many great players there, and we had a lot of fun doing it. So just kind of going through that experience and trying to change the culture and changing, changing the program, definitely I learned so much from it. First true freshman to start a season opener ever for North Carolina at the quarterback position. How much does that prepare you if you're a day one starter in the NFL, or does it even compare? Yeah, honestly, I don't know if it compares or not. I guess we'll see if I get that opportunity. But I think just going through that whole experience my freshman year definitely definitely helped me grow into who I am today and who I am as a player as well. What is the team that Sam Howe goes to getting in you as the player? They're getting a tremendous leader. They're getting a guy who can, who can rally a group of guys better than anyone else. And they're getting a guy that has – no limitations athletically. You know, I can make every throw on the field. I can I can be an asset in the running game, but I have no limitations mentally either. I can take a system as far as any offense coordinator wants to take it. And they're just getting someone who plays with a fearless mentality and a fearless mindset, and I really think that's contagious to the rest of the team. What do people not know about Sam Howell the most as a football player and as a person? I think just my faith and how important my faith is to me. That's a really important aspect of, of who I am, and I, and I try to tie that into every, every single part of my life. And that's probably the most important thing about me. Impressive guy. Yeah, seems like it. Impressive guy. Going to be interesting to see where he falls in this process because he's not Kenny Pickett, he's not Desmond Ritter, he's listed as basically the same size as Malik Willis from Liberty. But, you know, Sam got a lot of hype going into the week at the Senior Bowl. Then he didn't get a lot of hype during the week, and then he played well in the game. It's interesting how weeks can evolve like that for players. Someone comes in and there's a lot of intrigue about them. Then it kind of dies off because other people are having big showings, basically. And then they come back to the game. It's like there's different phases of these events. There's different phases of the Senior Bowl. There's different phases of the Combine. And it's interesting as weeks progress to see who goes where. I can't believe it's mock draft season already. Right. I cannot believe that this is happening so fast well the season lasted longer the season lasted because we put because we played an extra week yep you know we had week 18 this year with 17 games and then the titans even though it didn't go that well did advance to the divisional round right and so you know here we are we're at the combine in three weeks it's crazy it's exciting it is you know i live for the combine Mm -hmm. but I I just I, I check the calendar a lot because my body is a little confused <laughs> that we're here already, but it's exciting. It's yeah. all good stuff. Here we are. I was intrigued with Desmond Ritter too, the quarterback from Cincinnati, mm-hmm. and how impressive was it for Luke Fickle, the head coach at Cincinnati? How many Bearcats were at the Senior Bowl? Holy smokes! I mean, Desmond Ritter's there. Jerome Ford is there. Alec Pierce, the wide receiver, is there. They had pass rushers and defensive backs and linebackers. And I mean, it was really something to see how far that program has evolved. Yeah, I mean, I mean, I mean, they were in the Final Four this year, so it's it's not terribly surprising. But I mean, that's. Luke Fickle has done an amazing job. Luke Fickle has done an outstanding job with that program and the way that he's been able to recruit over the years and the way that he's gotten those guys to play and be competitive with schools and programs and places that are a lot bigger just in terms of student body and also 
are consistent perennial teams. Well, and he's in the same state as Ohio State. Yeah. And he's north of Lexington, Kentucky, where Kentucky football is better than it's been in years. Right. And yet he's still having... He's still doing it. I mean, Ohio State is awesome and has been, and Kentucky is probably the best they've been since Bear Bryant was there in the early 1950s in terms of their consistency, and yet he's still doing it. I mean, and I've never been recruited to really do anything in my whole life, but... We recruited you here. Well, that's true, and that was very nice. They gave me Chinese food, and I just came right in. I was a very easy You sell. were in. <laughs> but we had the opportunity to meet him a couple years ago and have a conversation with him because of his relationship with Mike Vrabel. Right. They were roommates. They're very close friends. They have a foundation together. In that limited experience that I had with him, he gave us 30, 45 minutes of his time around signing day, which is a very busy time for a college coach. And he was just a delight to be around. Really smart guy, super engaging, great guy to talk to. So, I mean, I'd play for him. I don't know, but I'd play for him. Well, if you're listening to the OTP, you know that Luke Fickle, if he's not Mike Vrabel's best friend, he's right at the top of the list. He's a top two or three, I'm sure, yeah. So – he and another former Ohio State teammate have the second and seven foundation. Right. And the second and seven foundation had a big event earlier this week in Nashville that you got a chance to attend. They actually held it in multiple cities, right? They did. So they held it in, it was four different cities. There were a couple in Ohio, you know, the Columbus, Cleveland, Cincinnati realm. And then they also did one in Nashville, it was a bourbon tasting, which I'm always down for a bourbon tasting. Why not? Yeah, so... Although not right now. (laughs) Not right now. We need to make that point before you get a call. (laughs) I I did not taste the bourbon. I was there in a working capacity only. However, it was a very cool place to be. They had at the JW Marriott downtown. It was great to see them starting to really lean into their Nashville outreach with Second and Seven. And they've already gotten involved a lot with some local schools. So Second and Seven, the foundation. Explain what that is. If you're not familiar with it, is a literacy program. That's really what they do. But they get into schools and read to kids and they use athletes, student athletes as kind of the vehicle to get kids in second grade excited about reading and books and literacy and all of those things. So they've gotten involved with local schools, Lipscomb, Vanderbilt, those types of schools, taking their athletes into local elementary schools and having them read to the kids. And every kid gets a book. That's a big deal. So they're able to really get them excited about reading and kind of what it can do for you, not only as an entertainment vehicle, but as an educational vehicle. So it's kind of twofold in that you're working a lot with young kids, getting them excited about reading and learning, but you're also working with student athletes. They work with high school athletes and get them into the elementary schools and get them used to giving back and taking time to invest in youth and getting kids excited about reading. So it's a really cool thing that's servicing both the readers and the kids who are being read to. So it's a really neat foundation and seeing them kind of start to get some traction in Nashville 
with the local high schools some of the local universities and kind of start to hold bigger events here and start to get their legs under them a little bit in a new city is so cool. And man, they are so fired up for Nashville. They're so excited about this city and how people have really embraced them and what they're trying to do as a foundation. It's really, really neat to see and kind of watch them grow in a brand new state. If you have a chance to get involved with the Second and Seven Foundation, we would encourage you to do so. Mm-hmm. It's something very near and dear to the heart of Mike Vrabel and Luke Fickle. And it's a, it's a really good thing. Absolutely. It, and, it, and it's easy. It, yeah. it, it's, an, it's an easy thing that you can see the tangible progress that they're able to make and the difference that they're able to make. And, I mean, it's, it's very upfront. It's very simplistic in terms of what their mission is. And it's needed. Yes, absolutely. And the books that they have written for the kids, they have a series of books called The Hog Mollies. And, uh, I mean, Mike Vrabel, Luke Fickle, Ryan Miller, the third guy that they have established this foundation with, they're very involved in writing the Hog Mollies books and putting them all together. They're very cute little stories. They all have a lesson. They're all trying to teach something, you know, and they're a conversation starter. So they've had ones from, you know, friendship and feelings and mental health and things that kids really need to discuss and bringing it to them. So it, there's just a lot of good with Second and Seven. I love being able to work with them and kind of be a small part of what they're trying to do here in Nashville. So what was the good on your trip to Las Vegas to the Pro Bowl? How was it different having the Pro Bowl in Las Vegas and what did you enjoy? It was very different. I had only ever been to Pro Bowls that happened at Disney World. So for me, I was a little skeptical of this because I was missing the Mickey Mouse component that I had gotten so used to. Experiences at Disney World are very, you know, controlled and organized. You know exactly what's going to happen in a Disney situation. But Vegas was great. It was chilly. It was a chilly desert experience. But Vegas is not hot this time of year. People mistake that. They think because it's 137 degrees in July that it's like that all year round, but it's a lot like Arizona. Right. It's and and even cooler as a matter of fact. Yes, I was I was one of those people who thought, "Oh, it's Vegas, it's hot there." Like Vegas is a hot city. No, it is not. It was chilly. But the accommodations were great. They had their practices at a minor league baseball field. So they were able to get a lot of people in the stands. The turnout was awesome. There were fans of you know every team it's like when you play a London game you know you look into the stands and it's just every jersey from every team that's how it was at these practices and it was so great to have everybody there the Pro Bowl is such a fun experience because you're basically going to like someone else's class reunion (laughs) because all of these guys know each other they've all played together at some point I mean a guy like Roger Saffold was like I've hit half the guys on the field with me right now in different games it's a little awkward have you ever had a player that was more excited to be in a pro bowl than Roger Saffold absolutely not no he was just tickled to death that he was able to be there and have that experience he was so grateful for the opportunity and he said you know I've always been a guy that has done my very best and worked as hard as I can and to be here now and kind of see the reward of that he was just very thankful to be there he and he's just the nicest guy like he was so willing to talk to us he was super accommodating 
for all the club media who's kind of hanging out on the sidelines, like waving like goofballs, trying to just like get his attention. But he was great. But all of our guys were really great. Harold Landry was so happy to be there. And he was just taking pictures of everything. Like every time I looked at him, he had his phone out and he was taking pictures of stuff. Because, I mean, for him, it was all these guys that he's seen and played against, but now he's having the ability to really work with them and pick their brains over things. So that was a really cool thing to see. The same with Jeffrey Simmons. I mean, Jeffrey Simmons was legitimately having conversations with players on the team about things that were very football and very technical. You know, he wasn't just there hanging with the boys. Like, he wanted to learn from the other guys that he was on the field with, and that was a really cool thing to see as well. What's it like being in Vegas with the NFL? Because we (laughs) haven't been there yet. Mm -hmm. So I ask you that question, meaning, you know, because the NFL for years, Paul Tagliabue said, over my dead body, will there ever be a team in Vegas? And now there are legitimate league functions happening in Las Vegas. The draft is going to be there. It's It's a real thing. Was it almost surreal? It it was strange, and you almost didn't know how to navigate it because I'm a little bit more like you, Mike Keith, in that for the first part of my NFL experience, it was like if you look at anything that has to do with gambling, we will find you and you will be punished. You will turn to stone. Yes, you yeah. will die, so don't do it. Well, and I've told the story before, and I'll just throw it in for those the OT people who might not understand where we're coming from. So for the first 20 Two years of my NFL career, the biggest part of my contract with the no-nos was about gambling. Right. I, I mean, it was like, you will not gamble. You will not think about gambling. You will never mention gambling. You will never talk about it. You will, you will not know anyone who gambles. Mm-hmm. You will. I mean, it was, it was just like everything. Well, now gambling, to a certain extent. We're sponsored by gambling. Spon- yeah. <laughs> we, we do Titans All Access in the Bed MGM Studios. It's oftentimes somewhat confusing. Right. Because you're like, are you sure I'm supposed to be saying this? I mean, I'll look at Ashley Farrell sometimes when we're doing Titans All Access, and I'll think, I, really? that That's behind me? And the commissioner, over my dead body, will there ever be a team in Las Vegas? Now, there's a team in Las Vegas. We're having the Pro Bowl in Las Vegas. We're having the draft in Las Vegas. Super Bowl, you know, what? I mean, all this stuff's coming to Las Vegas. That's why if you're listening to the OTP – you're probably saying, why is this such a big deal? But we haven't played there yet, so we haven't had this topic come up. And now you've gone there as part of this, and I'm just, I'm still kind of just dumbfounded because when I used to go there for arena, the, mm-hmm. the three years that I did arena ball, see, that was very involved with the strip. Right. Oh, yeah. We played in a casino. We yeah. play, We played in a casino like they, arena. They had an arena attached to the casino where we played. There were like six people there. Everybody else was <laughs> at the blackjack tables. But, I, I mean, the whole thing was it, – w- it felt dirty. Yes, and that's kind of how this felt for me. It felt very, okay, are we allowed to be here? What's happening? Should right. I be looking at this? Right. Should I be sitting over here? Is it okay that I'm sitting here? Is it – okay, who's around? Like, mm-hmm. you were you, – we were very on edge – it just when you were kind of in a strip environment. But I will say... Did you go to the strip? I did go to the strip. But the Pro Bowl itself the Pro Bowl was, was not, not around. Okay. No. So we stayed about mm, 20, 25-ish minutes away were from... Were you in Henderson? 
the practice. No. So the team, the players stayed in Henderson. Which is supposed to be wonderful. It's beautiful. There's beautiful golf courses out yeah. there. They uh, had all the NFL flag football tournaments. They were all out in Henderson. So we spent some time in Henderson. We stayed in kind of off the strip at the league hotel. So where all the league staff were staying closer to the strip, but not on it. And then about 25 minutes in the opposite direction is where the practices were being held at the minor league baseball field. So we were kind of all over Nevada. <laughs> I mean, I feel like we were in Reno. We were all over the place. We were really just navigating through the desert. So it was very spread out. You got to see a lot of areas. But yeah, I mean, I took an evening when we were done with everything. Where'd and you went go? Walked down the strip. Oh, we went up and down. Yeah, but what casino did you hit? I walked through all of them. No, you didn't walk through all of them. I walked through a lot of them. We walked almost 10 miles. What was the best one you went to? Oh, my gosh. I don't know. I mean. Did you go to Wins? I didn't go to. We didn't go to Wins, I don't think. I don't think we walked through. I mean, I've never been there. (laughs) No, but I mean, you walk through. We walked through Caesars. We walked through Bellagio. I mean, there's all the. The malls in between all of them, you walk through like Aria and Cosmo and all these places and you feel really fancy. I did notice there's Raider stuff everywhere. What people don't know about Las Vegas that you do now, having been out there, is that Las Vegas is not the Strip. No. The Strip is just part of Las Vegas, but there are nice neighborhoods. A lot of people live there. A lot of people work there who don't have anything to do with the entertainment and gaming industry. And it has often been compared from a from a demographic standpoint and a population standpoint to what Nashville was 15 years ago. Yeah. And that was one of the reasons that the NFL thought they wanted to be there. So they're like, oh, my goodness, look at this place which is this growing area where people are moving and businesses are moving. And then, if you're a Raiders fan in California, you can get there easily from Northern California. And there were Raiders fans there. And and here's the other thing. You know, the number one team, I think, in Southern California is still the Raiders. Yeah. No offense to the Rams, who are having a great week, and the Chargers. But for the 12 years the Raiders were in L.A., they built a following there. It's easy to get from Southern California to Vegas. So they got this beautiful 65,000-seat stadium. They have lots of tickets that they can sell in Vegas. They have lots of tickets that they can sell to people with the entertainment and gaming industry, which they do. And then they sell all these tickets to people from California, and they're a national team. People come from all over the country who – Love, I knew Raiders since my brother was a Raiders fan growing up. There's Raiders fans they're, everywhere. They're everywhere. So the point is, it, it's, a, it's a fantastic location for the NFL to be. And while it seems counterintuitive based on the contracts we had to sign years ago, it's 2022, man. Times change, right? And that's the thing. I mean... The NFL has done such a great job, in my opinion, of incorporating the two and of really leaning into these spaces where they've never been before and doing it a way where they're meeting fans where they are. I mean, golly, walking through the malls, there's NFL merchandise stores sure. all over the place. And so, I mean, we stopped and looked through. They had some really cool NFL stuff. But there was a thought process when they went there from some people. They said, oh, 
you know, it'll have to be tourists coming in. To, it's oh, like, no. Absolutely not. No. Uh, the Strip is to Las Vegas what Broadway is to Nashville. Right. If that makes sense. Like, Broadway's packed all the time in Nashville. Always people down there. And it's a really cool place to go and hang out and grab a meal and listen to some music and do that. But you don't live there. But how often do we, as yeah. residents, go down there? Hardly ever. You I mean, if, if people are coming been... in from out of town, if you if you just decide every once in a while you mm-hmm. want to do it, but it's kind of like when I lived in Knoxville, how often did we go to Pigeon Forge and did we go to Do- – I mean, once right. in a while. Yeah. You know, and that's the thing is the people who live in Vegas, I mean, I'm sure they go to the casinos occasionally, but they probably go when relatives come into town. Yeah, or when for, you friends Yeah, you got a town, business. Yeah, yeah you, you go down there, you hang out, but, like, that's not where you live. That's not where your day-to-day activities happen. And there's so many other things in – the Las Vegas area that's not the Strip, right. that the league has done a great job of capitalizing on. And so, no, I think their fan base is a lot of people who are in the area. Do you think Celine Dion wears a Raiders jersey? <sighs> I, uh, no, I hope Celine Dion wears a Titans jersey. That's it. Because I'm such a big fan of I hers. Know. And I found out that she lives in Henderson, but I didn't find out until after I got back. I would have gone. You and stalked tri- her. No, I very nicely scary. and politely and respectfully tried to find her. Because I Are, want her to know that I'm a fan. I know. Oh. Yes. Your life will go on. My um, heart will go your on. Your heart will go on, too. And on and on. And on and on. Are they happy with Josh McDaniels out there, from what you could tell? It seems like it. I mean, there's a giant banner of him on the side of the stadium. They seem fired up. More of the conversation. You know, they're coming here this fall. I know. I'm very excited. We're not going there. They're coming here. Yeah. No, I'm, exci- I'm excited. I was kind of low-key on the Raiders train all year this year. I, they were up. They were down. I yeah. always thought that if they had had some consistency, they could have gone a little bit farther. I'm excited to see what they are going to be able to do under a new regime that is going to be dramatically different from the Gruden era. The Gruden era. I think I'm, I'm kind of excited about the Raiders and what they've got going on until they come here, and I hope we beat the lights out of them. Okay, so I need to talk about something from our friends at the Tennessee Department of Health. They want to know, did you get your COVID-19 vaccine? Yep. Don't forget, it is recommended that you also get the COVID-19 booster. You've had that. I've had it. I've had that too. I am boosted. I am boosted as well. Having the booster will further protect you from the COVID-19 virus. Everyone 12 years and older can get a booster after completing their primary vaccine series. Learn more about COVID-19 boosters and how to get one by visiting covid19.tn.gov from our friends at the Tennessee Department of Health. All right. I just came back from Vegas. I might get another booster just in case. (laughs) (laughs) Who knows? You figure you need to get... There were a lot of people at those practices, A lot of folks. There were a lot of folks, and they were really fired up, so they got close to the edges. Nice. It was great. All right, so let's announce here... The Tennessee Titans have extended the contracts of general manager John Robinson and head coach Mike Vrabel. Additionally, the team has added two coaches to the staff, Tim Kelly as passing game coordinator and Bobby King as the inside linebackers coach. So let's take this bit by bit, if we if we will. Let's talk yes. about, first of all, John Robinson being extended six years, six winning seasons, four playoff appearances in the last five three in a row, 
Only two teams in the NFL have had at least six winning seasons in a row. The only other one is Kansas City. I mean, kind of a no-brainer. Oh, yeah, definitely a no-brainer. I mean, John Robinson has brought so much good to this Titans organization. Yes, of course. I mean, there's hardly even anything to say. Like, give him whatever he wants. (laughs) Yes, I, I think that John Robinson has been such a great addition to this Titans team. I mean, he is our fearless leader. We're always very excited to talk about how it is he does business and the little bit that we are able to see out of him. So excited that he's going to be here for a while. Mike Vrabel matched the franchise record for wins, 43 over his first four seasons with the team, tying Jack Pardee. And so Vrabel has been extended. No surprise there. No drama. Vrabel saying very clearly when he was asked about it late in the season, I want to be the coach here. It feels like for both John and for Mike that they just feel like this is a great situation for them. They know it's a great situation in particular with ownership and how things fit. And so both are are happy to be here. And, and for Vrabel, it makes total sense. Yes. Keeping the team together, you know, maintaining that consistency at the very, very top is so important. And Man, with the season that Mike Vrabel's coming off of what he was able to do, and we just saw him as a coach, I mean, thrive time and time again, it felt like. No matter what curveball was thrown his way, I remember in training camp, before the 2021 season even started, we were talking about the curveball that COVID was. And how he was like, man, if someone had told me that COVID was going to be part of my head coaching tenure, I don't know. So then it led me to wonder, like, if someone had told him that he would be playing with 90-plus players in a single season, would he have that same feeling? And we've just seen him survive in advance, and he can adapt, and he can rise. And, I mean, there are not two better people in the National Football League to work for every day. Well, absolutely. And, again, continuity, no drama, And just think about this, too. There were nine NFL coaches that have been hired. So over a quarter of the league's coaches have turned over. If Mike Vrabel, let's just say, had been a free agent, can you imagine the fight there would have been for him? And so the the Titans have got a guy who is viewed as one of the elite guys in the league and you keep him with no drama, and you keep him with your general manager, and you just keep on rolling. And while it doesn't guarantee success, I think what both of us have seen is when you have a chance to keep continuity, it is the best thing you can have in the National Football League, really over anything else. Amy Adams-Strunk is so smart. You lock up your best pieces, and those two – are two of our best pieces. Well, and the other part of it, too, is in rewarding John and Mike and keeping them together and keeping the continuity, you're also saying, good job. Yeah, yeah. And, and I mean, who doesn't like that? If you are part of the OT people listening to this right now, in whatever you do, when you get the chance to say to them, good job, You see how it makes them feel, and you know how it makes you feel. You want to come to work. You want to feel good, and that's the space that that Amy Adams-Strunk and Kenneth Adams and Barkley Adams and the family have created here, 
is people want to be they you know Mike didn't want to go anywhere else because it's just a it's a good space right now. They care about their people. They care about investing in their people. They want to make sure that they are able to keep their people. You know, I mean, you very much feel like, and this is just for me personally, not as a coach or general manager or anyone who does anything that has that level of value, you feel appreciated, you know? And when your superior tells you, hey, good job, we want to keep you here. That makes you feel good. Sure it makes it you want to continue to work, and it makes you want to continue to grind out, and especially coming off of what was a little bit of a disappointing ending. Well, sure it was. Having uh, your boss say, hey, we've still got you. But it, that part of it, too, but you think, okay, both these gentlemen make a lot of money. Yeah, they no do. No doubt about it. But you think, well, I'd do. I'd let them fire me for that amount of money. You really, you really wouldn't. No. Nobody wants that feeling, and the 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 real feeling is whether you whether you make that kind of money or you make less. Everybody likes to be appreciated. Yeah. Everybody appreciates the old pat on the back, mm-hmm. and whatever the dollar figure is, okay, it's relative, but. At the same time, you just when somebody says, "Hey, great job," yes, I'm proud to have you as my general manager. I'm proud to have you as my coach. I'm proud to have you representing this franchise. And I want to keep you here. Well, what does it make you do? It makes you want to run through a wall, right? It makes you want to dig up the next great player. It makes you want to fight through having 91 players on the roster and keep battling. You're invested. Yeah. Amy has made sure that people are invested. It's like going out and hiring Tim Kelly as the passing game coordinator. I mean, to me, adding Tim Kelly is like adding Zach Cunningham to the defense. It's a great analogy. Well, and what I mean by that is Todd Downing's a real good football coach. Yes. I know there's a lot of Todd Downing discussion out there, but I'm just telling you, He's a really good football coach. And the things that he had to deal with this year, many of which people don't quite understand, but they did a pretty good job. Yes. <laughs> they will do better, even better in year two. I, I, I guarantee you're going to see more things, particularly if they have more health on the offensive side. But you have a chance to put Tim Kelly with that group who, man, you talk about a guy who was dealing with some stuff in Houston. Right. Oh, wow. They had some issues, especially on the offensive side of the ball. You might have read about him. You might still be reading about him. Some question marks at a certain important position. Well, that and just (laughs) all of the craziness. I mean, they trade DeAndre Hopkins. They don't have a running back. They have all these issues in the offensive line. I mean – you know, most of the weapons that they've had over the years offensively are gone. Yeah. Brandon Cooks has really been about it. And and yet, I mean, you saw what he did with Davis Mills in the last game of the year. This is a creative guy. And to add him to the mix with Todd Downing, with Tony Duzett running back, with Keith Carter in the offensive line, with Luke Steckel at tight ends, with Rob Moore with the wide receivers. I mean, it's a really, really good group. The comparison has been made to adding Jim Schwartz to the defense last year. And while it was Shane Bowen's defense, there's no doubt Jim Schwartz added something. That also comes from ownership, too. Right, 100%. Because you got to spend the money on that guy. Right. And the fact that she's willing to spend money. Yes. 
that's another reason this team is winning right now. Yeah, absolutely. It's the investment in your team. You say, what do you need? Okay. You know, you trust your people who are telling you what it is that you need, why you need it. And I think that this is going to be a great addition to the Titans offense, and I'm really excited about it. So Bobby King, I don't know as well, but I know he has been with the Texans 12 years in the league. He's been with the Texans the last five years. He was with the Chargers for three years before that, 2014 through 2016. And he started his NFL career with the Texans 2011 through 2013. So he's worked with linebackers. He's had the opportunity to work with Mike Vrabel before. He certainly has familiarity with the philosophy, and he will come in and will will fit in right away and is another piece that is added to the puzzle. So Mike Vrabel extended. John Robinson extended. The Titans hire Bobby King to coach the linebackers, and they bring in Tim Kelly to be a passing game coordinator. Really exciting day for the Titans here at St. Thomas Sports Park. Yeah. Is that all you got? You got anything else? I think that's all I've got, Mike Keith. So you're glad to be back from Vegas? I'm glad to be back from Vegas for a short time, and then it's off to Indianapolis. Off to Indianapolis. We are preparing for the combine as we speak. So for Ashley Farrell and Amy Wells, I'm Mike Keith, thanking you for joining us for the OT. Welcome to the big show where the legends go. Everybody knows it's our house. 